There's only one move the New Orleans Saints could have made this week that would have made more waves than an injury to their starting quarterback, and the New Orleans Saints did it. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, head over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. Become a Locked on Saints insider today and join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to be taking a look at some of my notes from my All-22 film study. If you're a part of the Locked on Saints insider group, you'll get some film study, um, you know, breakdowns and and, and game film and stuff like that today. But we're going to go over notes and everything here on today's episode. So we're going to look at how this game came down to moments, especially for the defense, who majority played well, but unfortunately surrendered the moments at crunch time. We're also going to take a look at the offensive line issues for this team because You got to start to wonder at some point if those issues go beyond the players. But first, the New Orleans Saints, they release Traquan Smith from injured reserve, and that somehow immediately becomes the biggest story in this market, despite the fact that the New Orleans Saints are dealing with an injury to their starting quarterback. This move somehow makes the waves that are very similar, let's say it that way. And I know there are a lot of Derek Carr fans that came over from the Raiders to the New Orleans Saints that are now Saints fans and maybe are a little bit behind on this story, or not behind, but you know, are, are just now being exposed to this story. For a lot of Saints fans that have been around since 2018, this is something that Saints fans have been tracking for a long time. When will the New Orleans Saints make the decision about committing to, to Traquan Smith long-term or eventually moving on. And it looks like they chose the latter. Now, look, when this first happened, right, when the, the, the news first dropped via the transaction, NFL transaction wire, that the Saints had released Traquan Smith from injured reserve, which you can do, you just kind of reach an injury settlement and stuff like that. One of the things that happens sometimes is that when a player goes on injured reserve, they might waive that player, release that player, depending upon how many vested years they have in the NFL and then bring them back with an injury waiver added to their contract. We saw, we believe, we believe, we saw the New Orleans Saints try to do something similar years ago with the cornerback, Trill Williams. They had him, uh, you know, here in New Orleans for a while, ended up releasing him off of, it was uh, not injured reserve, but it was off of like a, a an injury list. And then we thought maybe they were gonna try to bring him back on an injury waiver, but he was claimed instead by the Miami Dolphins, much to the chagrin of a lot of New Orleans Saints fans who believe that Trill Williams could become something in this New Orleans Saints defense, an answer to a question that, or, or a question to which we'll never have 
the answer. But now with Traquan Smith, somebody that has contributed immediately as a rookie, just not really in the way that the New Orleans Saints sort of expected, right? I mean, they drafted him as a guy that averaged over 19 yards per catch during his collegiate days at the University of Central Florida, was an outside X receiver, the big bodied split out wide, you know, uh, uh, split uh, a split zone kind of guy, not split zone. What's the word? What's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Split in split in kind of guy that you put outside on the weak side all by himself and just let him like run the vertical routes or let him challenge DBs and things like that. But then when he got to New Orleans because of injuries and things like that, he ended up having to play in the slot a ton. And then it felt like the playbook never really picked up for him. And then once the playbook started to pick up for him, then the injuries started to set in. And so there was just a lot of frustration around Saints fans in terms of how Traquan Smith and what the expectations were around him, which admittedly, I think were a little high. He was a third round wide receiver. Sometimes those pan out. Sometimes those don't, right? Like that's a part of day two, day three picks is that oftentimes day two, day three picks don't pan out. But remember, we're coming off of in this story, a year removed from the 2017 draft class where like everyone panned out, right? Whether with the New Orleans Saints or otherwise, looking at guys like Marcus Williams, who I know is dealing with injuries and things like that, but Trey Hendrickson, all of that. So coming off of that draft class, expectations were super high on what the 2018 draft class was going to be. And now there are no remaining 2018 draft class members on this New Orleans Saints roster. Every one of them is either outside the NFL or with a different team. Marcus Davenport, of course, being the headliner as the first selection in that draft trading up. Everybody thought that they were going to trade up for Lamar Jackson. Instead, they traded up with the Green Bay Packers and then took uh, Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport's now a Minnesota Viking and has been injured for the past two weeks on like a $13 million, $14 million one-year deal. And so for the New Orleans Saints, you look at that draft class and you kind of go, okay, well, that draft class didn't work out. It just didn't work out. And that's how most draft classes are. The New Orleans Saints just tend to be really good at drafting. So you get one or two, at least really good guys out of your draft class. A lot of times draft classes as a whole don't pan out. And so this is just one of those examples of that happening. But now we'll see what happens with Traquan Smith, Denver, more than likely, right? That's what we all kind of expect is that he'll end up with Sean Payton over with the Broncos. Uh, but I, I was curious to see if maybe he would end up back with New Orleans just with an injury waiver. But then he took to Instagram, kind of said his farewells, thanked New Orleans before Anthony Davis did, all those things. And so it seems like the door's closed. Like Traquan Smith is 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 really up out of New Orleans. And it, it feels like the end of an era, right? It became something that we were kind of always watching. It's sort of like this year we've seen two of those guys, these guys that felt like they were going to be around for a while and just keep getting those like one-year deals and you know, continue to, to be there for the team and in the ways that they can be. Traquan Smith as a run blocker and then also being able to help out as kind of that nitty gritty pass catcher over the middle, even though that, that could potentially get him hurt. And then the other guy that we saw that happen with this offseason was PJ Williams. PJ Williams, who had been on like 93 first year deals, all of a sudden, like didn't come back to the team and the team didn't seem like they were in a rush to bring him back. And so they go out there and they get other versatile pieces like Ugo Amadi and Lonnie Johnson Jr., who had an interception this past week. You know, continuing to lean in on the versatility of guys like Isaac Yadam, guys like uh, Alante Taylor, all of that. And they seem perfectly happy with that. And so now you look at Traquan Smith, who would have been a part of a wide receiver room that's already stacked, right? Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, those are your top three. Then you've got guys like Keith Kirkwood who continue to serve and help. And he, you know, he comes in and contributes as a run blocker as well. And then you have guys that haven't really even gotten the chance to hit the field yet that still might have been better not better suited, but would have been sizable, viable competition for Traquan Smith. A.T. Perry, Lynn Bowden, who was active this past game. And then, of course, Shaq Davis, who looked excellent over the course of the regular season, or over the course of the offseason and preseason, and is a solid blocker himself. A.T. Perry, one of the highest graded uh, pass blockers at his position in this past year's draft. So 
or amongst that group. So yeah, it would have been tough for Traquan Smith to find a way to hit the field. And, and we'll talk to Dennis Allen later on today via conference call. And, and, and certainly we'll ask, you know, what led to all of that. I'm curious to know if that was maybe a little bit of a mutual decision, right? The New Orleans Saints kind of coming forward and saying, hey, look, we're very happy with the wide receiver group that's in this room right now. Um, we don't know necessarily if there's a place for you, but we'll bring you back. And then maybe we want to like move on from you and then bring you back to injured reserve or, or bring you back to the practice squad or something like that. And then maybe Traquan, but gave Traquan the opportunity to say, no, I want to get an opportunity somewhere else. Like, let me go be somewhere, you know, something for someone somewhere else. So the two realities are that he ends up back with, or the three realities is that he ends up back with the New Orleans Saints, which still can't completely close the door on, but that goodbye message felt very goodbye. Um, he ends up with the Denver Broncos in New Orleans, or excuse me, in Denver with Sean Payton, his former, the coach that, you know, was at the helm when the Saints drafted him. Uh, or... He ends up in a division rival somewhere because that always seems to happen sometimes too. So one way or another, though, it seems like the era of Traquan Smith might be over here in New Orleans. And that means that it's an entirely new sort of wide receiver room moving forward. I mean, that effectively turns the page. Like you still got Michael Thomas on this roster. But outside of that, you look beyond 2022, just last year, it's an entirely new wide receiver room and a very, very different level of talent in that wide receiver room that we've seen in New Orleans in the past years. Coming up next, offensive line issues. We're going to revisit those again. Could they go beyond the players? And when should we start asking that question? We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. eBay Motors has teamed up with Vinny Iyer, Locked on Fantasy Football host, to bring you the best fantasy football advice every week, all season long. So whether you're looking at drafting your daily lineup or maybe you're scouting that waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with the players that are the perfect fit, the guaranteed fit for your roster. So let's take a look at who Vinny has picked for this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week. And Saints fans, you're going to like this one. Um, and it's, it's not going to sound like it at first, but give me a second here. You'll see where the, you'll see where the, you'll see where the connection is. Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley, he, look, he's got a classic opportunity for a rebound game, but also a revenge game across the pond in London in week four on Sunday in a matchup against his former team and your dreaded Atlanta Falcons. Ridley has been very quiet in Jacksonville's passing game as it slumped a little bit over the course of the past two weeks, but this will give him an opportunity to return to his stellar week one form for his new team. The Jaguars will do a better job scheming him open across the pond and making his massive target volume from Trevor Lawrence count big time yet again against those Atlanta Falcons. Vinny Iyer of Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. And the same goes with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride is running smoothly. Whether you want brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive by heading over to ebaymotors.com. Dot com today. eBay's guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. The New Orleans Saints offensive line issues have been concerning, to say the least. But do they go beyond 
the players. And is it time to start asking that question after just three games? That's what we got coming up for you here today. Appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So how soon do you start to transition the conversation around the New Orleans Saints struggling offensive line away from the clearly very talented players that they have and into questions like coaching, scheme, preparation, things like that? I think it's about time to start asking that question now. And it doesn't mean that we have to come at that question with vitriol because look, we don't know that answer, right? We're not in that room. We, we don't know. But you can start to see from some things that maybe some of what's going on with the New Orleans Saints offensive line doesn't really just come down to individual player execution. For instance, there were a couple of times where the Saints went jumbo set. Jumbo set means bringing on a sixth offensive lineman, right? You're used to seeing this from when Taysom Hill's under center, right? They bring Taysom Hill out. They have the six offensive linemen out there, and then they run to the direction of the, the six offensive linemen. And, and oftentimes last year, they would do that with Landon Young, and running towards Landon Young was mighty successful for them last season, especially when they also got the lead blocker in motion, the split zone action, all the things that we love here on Locked on Six. Um, but against the Green Bay Packers, they brought out those six offensive linemen on a couple of occasions for passing plays, effectively saying need more pass blocking, right? Like that's basically what that means. And so there's there's a snap, and I think Nick Underhill over at New Orleans Football shared it uh, as well online or on, on social media, is that like there's six offensive linemen. I believe there's either a linebacker or a running back that's also back there. Uh, and somebody just gets beat around the edge, not up the middle, not from a stunt, anything that just right off the edge, just beat, right? And that was with Jameis Winston in at quarterback. And that's not on Jameis. That was a four-man rush. That wasn't a situation where they didn't, you know, identify where the blitz was coming from or anything like that. But usually when you've got six offensive linemen in blocking and you've got four pass rushers, you expect to not get beat immediately off the edge. And that's exactly what happened in New Orleans. So is there something about the technique? Is there something about the scheme? Is there something about the blocking plan that the New Orleans Saints are struggling with? You're three games in, the offensive linemen have shown as a unit not much progress, four sacks allowed in each game, several hits on the quarterback, got the quarterback injured, right? Like that's fair to say. And I think that Dennis Allen mentioned that D Derek Carr might've held onto the ball a little bit too long on that pass, uh, on the, the, the injury, right? The sack that ended up with the injury. I, I guess that there's some truth to that if you wanted to take the check down underneath, but it looked like Derek Carr was waiting for Michael Thomas to uncover. Maybe you throw a spot throw and hope that he gets to it, right? Put it to where only he can get to it or something like that. Sure, there's all of those arguments, but it's not like he had, it's not like he held the ball for four or five seconds. Like it was still about three seconds until he got walloped back there. And so if you're the offensive line, like that still kind of comes down to losing pretty immediately or losing quickly enough, right? Is three seconds long enough? Probably not, considering that you talk about oftentimes that getting the ball out in under three seconds is a quick passing game. So getting the ball out between three and a, three and a half seconds seems reasonable. And so you know, whether or not he held the ball for too long, it seemed like it was still a pretty quick loss for the New Orleans Saints offensive line. And the other three sacks, as Dennis Allen mentioned, all were very quick losses for the offensive line. So is there a bigger question to ask here than can the offensive linemen block? Because look, we at the look at the where the issues are and how the issues have moved across the offensive line. You saw early on in the year against the Tennessee Titans that Trevor Penning just straight up struggled. You're not seeing that anymore. He has progressed. But now you're seeing the interior of the offensive line, which was still an issue week one, remaining an issue week three. You've seen right tackle Ryan Ramchek struggle over the course of these games. 
Could a little bit of that be because of, you know, him having time off over the offseason, dealing with injury, all these other things like, you know, he's got a lot of things that he has to manage in terms of being able to get out on a football field every week. Could that be a part of what we're seeing here? I don't know. But there's one thing for sure, that if your system sends out six offensive linemen, you should be able to block four defensive linemen. You should be able to block and save time and create time for your, off, for your quarterback when there's a four-man rush. There's no excuse around that. So does that really come down to the individual player? Or does that have to do with something going on in terms of the way that these guys are being taught to operate together? Like, there's no doubt that this team has a ton of talent. And the coaching staff has a ton of talent. Doug Marone's one of the better offensive line coaches historically, typically, throughout the NFL. So what's going on here? Where is everything kind of falling apart? And how are these corrections still not being made? Are we truly watching? Are we truly watching five offensive linemen, four offensive linemen, however you want to look at it, go out there and struggle day, game after game after game? Or are we watching an inability to adjust? Which one of those is it? And again, I, I don't know, right? I can't tell you which one that it is. All I can tell you is that the offensive line is struggling and they're struggling in a bunch of different ways. They're having trouble with one-on-one -on -one opportunities over on the outside. They're struggling on the interior. They're struggling to handle stunts, things like that. Like, I can tell you that there are individual things where they are having trouble, but can I tell you where that stems from? No, but should the coaches be able to do that? Yes. So why have we not seen the improvement that you expect to see week over week over week? And I understand that things can't fix overnight. I get that. But should they be able to change between week one and week four? That seems reasonable to at least see some progress. And you've seen progress individually. You've seen progress in Trevor Pinnock. But the rest of the offensive line has continued to struggle. And, and, and Trevor Penning included, as a unit, the offensive line has struggled, right? Like, understand that there's two different conversations to have there. The individual play of the players, but then the play of the group, the unit as a whole. And now you're potentially going in up against a still very good, particularly interior defensive line with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town this weekend. And look, I, I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a very good team. You're going to hear James Jarko and I break that down in tomorrow's Crossover Thursday episode, and I'm not going to hold back. Like, I don't think they're a very good team. I think the New Orleans Saints should win this game, regardless of who's at quarterback for them. Taysom Hill, put Taysom Hill at quarterback for them. They win this game, right? Bring Trevor, well, you can't bring Trevor Simeon back anymore. But bring Trevor Simeon back. They probably win this game again with Trevor Simeon, just like they did last time. And so I, but I do give this defensive line, particularly on the interior, a lot of credit for being really, really good. This is a very good interior defensive line. I'm sounding like Jerry Seinfeld. This is a very, very good interior defensive line with Tampa. And so when your interior offensive line is struggling, and now you're dealing with a potential injury to Andrew Pete, a potential injury to Cesar Ruiz, not a potential injury to Cesar Ruiz, how quickly does he come back from concussion protocol is really the, the question for Cesar Ruiz. It's not just some random injury. It's a, it's a concussion, right? And then there's question marks around, around Andrew Pete, who wasn't the starter, I get it, but was the guy that they plugged in at left guard and then moved James Hurst to Cesar Ruiz's spot at right guard. How do you combat all that and how do you continue to do it? So I'll be interested in a couple different things, right? How do the New Orleans Saints adjust? Dennis Allen said they made some tough adjustments was the words that he used during his uh, day after press conference. What do those adjustments mean? And could those adjustments have happened on the offensive line? Are those coaching adjustments? Are those scheme adjustments? Are those player roster adjustments? We'll have to see. Are there going to be new players in the building? The Saints still have a couple of spots open on their roster. So we'll see. We'll see how the New Orleans Saints go about addressing that, but they have got to take a step forward on their offensive line and protect whoever is under center, more than likely Jameis Winston, uh, this weekend if they want to win games and not drop to two and two. Like right now, 
the entire NFC South loss last weekend, be the NFC South team that wins this weekend because you've got Tampa and then uh, Atlanta and Carolina have some key matchups coming up as well. So win this matchup and you have an opportunity to get to three and one before your starting quarterback returns, assuming he doesn't surprise the world and come back this weekend. But wherever those adjustments are, whether they're by the player or in terms of the, the all around approach to the offensive line, whatever they are, they need to be made. Coming up next, this is a game that I just realized my text here says, cam down to moments. No, this is a game that came down to the moments. I'll explain what I mean as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Saints, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Lockdown Saints brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. If you're somebody like me that likes to be prepared, right, just in case, I have a little bit of insurance, good to have and not need, but always great to have and then need later. That's the kind of thing that you like to be prepared for while well, Jace Medical's Jace case is perfect for you. It's been perfect for me as well. The Jace case gives you five different life-saving antibiotics that end up helping you deal with over 50 different infections. Let's say that your doctor's out of town and you've got that one doctor that you can go to or something like that, and you need to be able to take care of like a sinus infection. Boom, you're gonna have what you need in your household, all you know, working with medical staff and all this other stuff, like it's it's fantastic. So if you wanna go ahead and add that to your emergency preparedness kit or whatever it is that you've got, especially if you're down here in the South, you wanna have your hurricane kits ready over in the West Coast, wanna have your earthquake kits ready, head over to jacemedical.com today. Let me tell you a little bit more. Uh, you're gonna get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical by using the promo code Locked On at checkout. That's at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at how this game came down, not came down, came down, see, I fixed it, uh, to the moments. Now, y'all have heard me talk about this. You've heard me talk about this a bunch here on the show in the past about how football is all about the moments, right? Five or six, maybe not even that many, three or four moments are what decide a game more than the individual play of, of a full 60 minutes. Now, every play matters over the course of 60 minutes because you only get so many of them, right? And you want to get as many of them as possible. That means you're controlling the clock and doing the things that we didn't see the New Orleans Saints be able to do uh, here in this game against the Green Bay Packers, regardless of who was that quarterback. I mean, they averaged 4.22 yards per play when it came to when Derek Carr was on the field, 4.17 when it came to when James Winston was on the field. So you're still seeing some issues offensively as a whole. Not a conversation about the quarterbacks, not interested in it, not about the habit. But the, the question of the offense as a whole still remains there. And so when you're an offense that even looks like that, but can still put together moments, a uh, big time you know, reception down the field in the fourth quarter and a pivotal moment to Rashid Shahid, which we saw in each of the first two games, for instance, um, you know, especially having those moments in the fourth quarter. We didn't see the New Orleans Saints have those moments in the fourth quarter. We saw the Green Bay Packers capture those moments in the fourth quarter. So let me give you a little bit of insight into what I mean by this. Uh, the New Orleans Saints lost this game, and I've seen some folks go out there and kind of talk about how bad, um, you know, Isaac Yadam was or, or, or Alante Taylor struggling and stuff like that because Alante Taylor was, was targeted like 13 times. So look, first of all, Alante Taylor is going to be targeted a lot all season. He's playing in the slot. That, that's part of being a slot corner is that you get targeted all the time because the perimeter, lower percentage throws, the middle of the field, higher percentage throws. Somebody should send that over to the New Orleans Saints offense, by the way. Uh, but the idea here is that when you're the slot corner, you're going to get targeted a lot. But according to our friends over at Zebra Sports, right, who if you think about Zebra, at like you see Zebra all the time. You think about the, 
you know, the just like the keypads at your grocery store, that's Zebra. But New Orleans Saints and Zebra have been in a longstanding partnership in terms of RFID tracking and making sure that like they have all the things for player tracking and understanding how much they're working players during practice and all the other stuff. Well, Zebra is also a part of what brings like next gen stats and, and all this other stuff. Uh, so what they sent out here was that uh, Saints defensive back Isaac Adam forced uh, the most tight window targets seven in a game uh, over the last two seasons. Over the last two seasons. That's the most tight window targets. That means that his coverage was tight. So anytime that Jordan Love was targeting Isaac Adam, he was in good position is effectively what that means. Alante Taylor also had five tight window targets himself. They combined for uh, five receptions on 18 targets. So if you, if you take and you put together the seven and the five, right, that's 12 targets. So of the 18 targets that those three, that those two players received over the course of this game, 12 of them, they forced those tight window targets, which usually means, you know, less than a yard of separation with, with the receiver. And they also had nine total passes defended in that realm, right? So of those 18 targets, they forced a 50% incompletion rate. That is outstanding. That's outstanding. That's really, really good coverage. The issue though, are the moments, okay? So you think about that. Of the nine targets that they forced incompletions for, each of those, of course, were incompletions, but of the nine targets that they allowed completions for, two of them were 20-plus yards down the field. Jaden Reed got a 22-yard reception and a 30-yard reception against Alante Taylor, and another one was a Romeo Dobbs fade in the back of the end zone that went for a touchdown with Isaac Yadam in coverage. And even on that play, Yadam was in good position and made the play. You know why I know he was in good position? First of all, I watched the film, but also the play right before that was the exact same play. And the Green Bay Packers did this twice in the red zone and found success on both times where they ran the exact same play with a small adjustment twice in a row and won the second time. Incomplete the first time, won the second time. The first time was the, I think it was the 22-yard catch over the middle of the field to Jaden. No, 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 sorry. It was a different catch by Jaden Reed over the middle. The pass, the, the play before that, they ran kind of this high-low concept over the middle of the field with Luke Musgrave underneath Jaden Reed over the top. Luke, Luke Musgrave drew the coverage of um, Demario Davis, incomplete pass. But then they ran the exact same play, the exact same play, but with one small adjustment, they put Luke Musgrave over the top and then Jaden Reed underneath because of what happened with the previous play. They caught the Saints in similar coverage. Demario Davis went with Luke Musgrave over the top. The safety stayed deep over the top as they were assigned to do. And because of that, Jaden Reed was able to come up underneath, big time hole over in the middle. Similarly, when it came to the Romeo Dobbs touchdown, the play before the touchdown was the exact same play, same formation. The receivers elsewhere ran the exact same routes. All of it was the exact same. The difference was ball location, okay? So uh, Isaac Adam drew the coverage or was in coverage of, of Romeo Dobbs in that first play. Um, it was thrown over the top. Yadam was able to make the play on that. The next time, next play, that one was a pass breakup. Next play, they ran the exact same thing through the exact same pass, but instead of going over the top, they went back shoulder. Romeo Dobbs won, but Yadam was still in good coverage there. But that's a moment, okay? That's a moment. And so when you talk about which team had the most moments at pivotal times, it was the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers had the most moments in the fourth quarter, and that will win you a football game sometime regardless of how good your moments are from the opposing team for the first three quarters. Cam Jordan tweeted out after the game, 24-hour rule, but then he also mentioned, can't expect to win a game playing three quarters. Gotta play all four. And that was a situation to where the Saints and the Green Bay Packers, Green Bay Packers won more moments 
in the fourth quarter. And defense had to be on the field a lot, all that. I understand. I get it. There's no criticism here. But it's just, here's how fickle the game of football can be. And here's an example. Altogether, this team looked really, really good over on the defensive side. And the coverage was there. All of those things. Jordan Howden did not make a false read, did not make a bad read, anything like that. Isaac Adam, who was you know another replacement guy coming in on a big role on the outside, ended up winning most of his matchups, as you can see. But, and, and forced a historic amount, a historic amount of tight window throws since that stat has been tracked. And the Saints still lost this game because of the moments. That's how fickle the game of football can be sometimes. So there you go. That's what I wanted to bring to you today. Coming up tomorrow morning, we'll have um, James Yarko here, Locked on Bucks crossover Thursday, get you everything you need to know. Look, I'm picking the Saints to win. I'm just going to tell you now, I'm picking the Saints to win. I don't care who's the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. The Bucks are a bad team. The Saints should win. Bam, bottom line. I'm going to explain all of it, and I'm sure I'll argue with James around all of it uh, in tomorrow's episode. So feel free to come, come through for that. Uh, and for all you everydayers out there that come to the live shows as well, we'll have another live episode for you tonight after practice and all that good stuff, just to get you caught up with what we're seeing. Where's Derek Carr? You know, how are things looking in terms of, you know, where, where what they're doing? I can't imagine Derek Carr soaring footballs today, stuff like that, but we'll update you on all of that because it'll give us a little bit of an idea of the progress, but we'll also be paying attention to what the Saints are doing with Jameis Winston. So we'll have all that coming up for you. So appreciate you as always for making us your first listen of the day every day. Thank you very much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.